All right. It's good to see you. Anybody tired? No? Not at all? Oh, I am. Uh, uh, it's been good, amen? Uh, I, again, I, I, I learn something every day at these things. Like yesterday, I learned that I'm a better conference attender than a conference speaker. Uh, I like that a lot better. It's a lot more fun. Uh, yesterday, I learned that uh, when you take too much time, you lose your slot. Uh, so, you know? Uh, truthfully, um, we planned it this way. Actually, what happened was James planned it this way. See, James is a great leader. Uh, he planned it this way where I would have to start and I would have to end, but he made, it, made me think it was my idea. Uh, that, that's a good leader, man. That's a guy who knows what he's doing, right? Uh, he, can, he can get you to do what he wants you to do, but make you think it was your idea. Um, I do love James. Uh, he's been awesome, hasn't he? Wow. <laughs> uh, I have been honored just to be here with him and with Pastor Mark in the evenings and what great things have been taught here. Uh, always, every year, uh, certainty is, is a highlight of my year. Uh, and a great time to come and to, to develop and to grow. And this year has, has certainly helped me appreciate even more those who've taught us in the years past. And uh, Pastor Mark, every year carrying the, the load in the evenings. And what an awesome, awesome thing it is to, to have this privilege. And, and to share it with James, I uh, can't tell you uh, how proud I am of that guy and how proud I am that he's my children's pastor. Uh, not like he's the children's pastor in my church, but my children attend his church. Uh, and I can't, I can't think of another person in the world uh, that I would be so happy to have my children sitting under uh, as I am if they sit under the, the preaching and the teaching. And that, that includes me, uh, of James DeCoker. Uh, what an awesome, awesome guy. I tell him all the time, I want to be like you when I grow up. Uh, I think I might have missed that opportunity. Uh, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into the uh, the last of these six metaphors uh, that we have uh, chosen to talk about over these days, and and, and the idea has been that uh, maybe from looking at these six different metaphors, and 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 they are metaphors that that God is it's what God calls the church, uh, and, and we've seen that that the world thinks of it in a lot of different ways. You know, one of the things that I, I heard for years, and, uh, you know, that, well, the church is a business, and, and, you know, sometimes people say that, and we ought to function like a business, and they say, well, God never said the church is a business. Uh, we, we ought to do things decently and in order, uh, but these are the things that God said the church is, and, and, and I don't think any one of them tells the whole story. That's why uh, there's many of them. It's multifaceted, uh, and, and they, all, they, they are all different, and they are all unique, but yet they are all intertwined, and that's why uh, sometimes uh, we feel like we're walking on each other in the things that we're teaching because they, they are so uh, intertwined and, and they do connect so well together. Uh, but uh, we're learning some things about just the totality of what the church is. And so, you know, I, I hope that we walk away. Uh, obviously, we're here at First Baptist, and, and so you see that, wow, uh, man, the church that God has put me in is an incredible gift to me. Because it is fulfilling all of these things. It is truly a biblical church. Uh, and, and these things are being fulfilled. It is, it is living out these metaphors. And, and hopefully all of our churches are that way. Uh, and I, I, as we've been here, we've heard stories about places, uh, large metropolitan areas where people 
are, are there living and can't find a church like that. Uh, and that just should really motivate and encourage us to train up men uh, to go and plant churches like that. And as we, as we talk about the vineyard, uh, certainly that's what we'll be talking about is, is the importance of us doing that and uh, replicating what God has given to us and appreciating what we have and, and being willing to, to replicate it. And so we've, we've been through five of them. The, the, the last one is this one, the Church is a Vineyard, and what we're going to talk about is stewardship. This may be the, one of the, the weaker of uh, the metaphors, and, and we debated, is that really a metaphor or a simile? But I think as we, we looked at it further, we said that's, that re- it's really a metaphor. God really does say that the, the church is a vineyard, and, and what we're talking about in the vineyard is our responsibility as stewards. So as we get, get right into it, we, we're called to be a steward, and I want to start with just uh, a parable uh, out of Matthew chapter 21. You might want to turn there. It's a, it's a lengthy passage, but I want to read it uh, and just see how that uh, we can understand, hopefully, that God has entrusted to us uh, his vineyard. And, and, you know, to cut to the chase, what he expects is that we would bear fruit, all right? That there would be fruit that would, would be born uh, out of that vineyard. We have that responsibility. And, and when you get in Matthew 21... Jesus is, in verse 33, he starts this parable, here another parable. Uh, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits thereof. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Uh, and again, he sent other servants more than the first and did unto them likewise. And last uh, of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husband saw him and said, unto him, said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and they cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh. What will he do unto these husbandmen? And so he's asking these religious leaders uh, the, and, and it's the husbandman that he's talking about, and, and James talked about just a moment ago about the importance of pastors and our responsibility and, and how we build. And, and certainly these are the, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders of, of the day. Uh, and, and Jesus is telling a parable, and he says, what, what's he going to do? And, and, and they're not getting it because that's the purpose of a parable. They didn't, they didn't really understand what's going on. Uh, later they come, come to the understanding, but they've, they've been entrusted with the kingdom of God. They've failed to bring forth fruit. And, and God has sent over and over again his servants to, to, to deal with them, and, and they've treated them the way they would. And lastly, he sends his son, and, and they didn't receive him either. And they put him outside the vineyard, and they, they stone him. And, and so what, what, what they, he asked the question, what, 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 will the, what will the owner do? What's, what's he going to do to them? And they answered and said unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men. Pronounced their own sentence. And will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. And, and they even understood that the issue, it's, it's over fruit. That's, that's the point. That's what a steward's to do, is to, to bring forth fruit. And, and Jesus saith unto them, and, and we saw this in the last session in a different passage. Did you never read in the scriptures? You guys never read? Did you ever read the scriptures? Did you ever read the Bible? The stone which the builders rejected, again, goes to what James was just talking about. The same has become the head of the corner. This is the, this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in his eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And, 
And so the kingdom of God has been entrusted to us, right? That spiritual kingdom, and uh, uh, most of us know there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They're different, and that spiritual kingdom has been entrusted to us, and we've talked about that over and over again. So we talk about the, the body and the bride and the family. It's a, a spiritual kingdom, and it's been entrusted to the, the church. We, we have this responsibility, uh, and and. We're stewards of that. It belongs to him, uh, but he's entrusted to it to us, and, and our responsibility is to bring forth fruit. And so he's made us a steward of, of certain things. He's given to us his resources in, in order to accomplish that goal. And so I want to just talk about a few of the things that he's made us stewards of. And certainly, the, that we've, again, it's, I feel like I'm repeating a lot that's already been said, uh, but I've learned that repetition is the price of learning, right? Uh, that's, that's how we learn, is we hear it over and over and over again. Uh, I find that as pastor of a church, you know, you, that when you've said it about 15 times and you're sick of saying it, somebody comes up and goes, so what you're saying is, <laughs> what, what's worse yet is when you invite someone else to come speak and they say the same thing you've said 15 times and somebody comes up and goes, did you hear what he said? <laughs> that's awesome! Yeah, it is. It is awesome. I'm, I'm glad you heard it. So we're going to repeat some things. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 says we, we've been allowed of God, and I love how he says that, not demanded or required, but we've been allowed by God to be put in trust with the gospel. God has entrusted to us the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that incredible good news. Uh, don't you love to tell good news? Don't you like to communicate to someone something that's exciting and, and, and good? Uh, we have the good news. We've been allowed by God. We've been entrusted by God with the gospel. And so we speak. You know, you see these memes on social media all the time. You know, share the gospel and when necessary, use words. Well, God thinks words are necessary, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, we needed to speak. And so the gospel is something that we speak. Certainly we ought to live the gospel. We ought to live a life uh, of purity and holiness. We've talked about that. But if you're going to share the gospel, you've got to say something, right? Can you imagine you go into a court of law today, and, and they, oh, we've got this, this awesome witness, and uh, we're going to have them come, and they're going to they're gonna make our case, and they come and they sit down in the witness chair, uh, and they've lived a life that, that can't be in any way, uh, uh, you know, uh, called into question they, they've lived a, an exemplary life and and they sit down in the witness chair and uh, but they refuse to speak they won't say anything is that is that witness any good well they're useless <laughs> they're no profit <laughs> they're no good to the case you got to speak up so, so that's what what paul says he, you know so we speak not pleasing men and and and, and when we speak the gospel we got this entrustment of the gospel and we speak it we're not speaking it to to please men, not everyone's going to be pleased when we speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And if our goal is to please men, and again, a lot of times that's where we find ourselves in church today. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Uh, I, there's a certain church, I like the way James says this, in, in our area. <laughs> Keep it kind of uh, discreet. Uh, I I discipled a guy who, who's Indian in, when I was in Atlanta. Uh, he's from India, and, and he would tell me about his friend who was Hindu, still Hindu, not a believer in Christ. The guy I discipled, obviously, a believer in Christ. He had a lot of Hindu friends, and one of his Hindu friends would attend that church. And, and he told my friend, man, I, I really like, I'm, I like going to that church. 
He's not a believer in Christ. He's a Hindu. But he said, I like going there because I, I, I always feel comfortable. I, I, I'm just, I feel comfortable there. If a, if a Hindu can feel comfortable, then uh, we want him to come in and feel welcomed and feel loved and feel accepted as far as being there in our presence. But the gospel is confrontational, right? And if we're living to please men, then we're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a great film. I don't know if you've, uh, it was a book and then a film. I'm, I'm better with a film. Uh, called The Insanity of God. Anybody ever anybody read that book or, or seen that? Uh, it, it deals with ministering in difficult parts of the world. And uh, just, it's just testimonies of, of those who've ministered in places where there's extreme persecution. And uh, man, it makes a, a very powerful point in that film uh, about the persecuted world and how that you and I identify uh, we, we either identify, uh, they say, with the persecutor or the persecuted. And, and the way that, that those people say that we identify with them or, or with their persecutors is what we do with the gospel. And here's what they say. If, if we, in freedom, choose to give up what they would never give up under persecution, we identify with their, with their persecutors, not with them. That's a powerful statement. And what they say is this. It, it has nothing to do with freedom. Sharing the gospel. You're, we're as free to share the gospel, they say, in Kuwait as you are in Kansas. It's not about the freedom. It's about the willingness to suffer the consequences. And, and I think sometimes our problem is we're not willing to suffer the consequences. I think that's always the problem, right? If we're not sharing the gospel, we're just not willing to suffer the consequences, even if the consequences are it doesn't please men, right? Oh, they're not, they, might not, they might not like me anymore. They, they might not be my friend any longer. I, they might reject me. So we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth the hearts. And so we've been entrusted with the gospel, and, and, he, and he uses the, the, the plural pronoun there, we've been allowed. But in 1 Timothy, he talks about the glorious gospel of, of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Right? We, we, we are collectively responsible, but we're also individually responsible. Right? So as a church, we're to be sharing the gospel, but individually, we're to be sharing the gospel. Uh, we, we gather together to edify the saints. James just talked about that. And then we, we go out and, and we preach the gospel. We are the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. <laughs> and, and I think that speaks to the two aspects. We gather together. We're, we're a unique kind of light, right? Uh, it's, it's like the light of a city that sits on a hill. Uh, and it shines bright because all of those lights come together. And we ought to gather uh, together as the body of Christ. But we're also the salt of the earth. And salt is something that's only good when it scatters. Right? Salt, if you, if you pile it all up in one place, it's not good anymore. Right? You, you want to scatter it. And, and the, that's the church. We gather and we scatter. <laughs> and we're usually better at gathering than we are at scattering. We, you know, we, we think we've done our service when we showed up. Uh, but we're to show up, be edified and encouraged, and then go out and take the message of the gospel. So we've been entrusted, and it's easy for us to get distracted from that. Paul told Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, in 1 Timothy 6.20. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Keep that which is committed. Don't get distracted with, with profane and vain babblings and, and oppositions of science falsely so-called. 
We, we get caught up a lot of times and we lose focus uh, on, on the main thing. What's the purpose? What are we here for? Why has God left us here? He's left us here to, to be stewards of the gospel, to take the gospel to the world. That's why we're here. That's the purpose that God has left us here for. Uh, and not to get distracted with, with other things. And man, as a, you know, one of the, I, you know, I'm, I'm the car- most carnal among us, I'm sure. Uh, one of the things I love about these conferences is it helps me. I, I, I do, I learn something uh, every, every time I come. Uh, but not only do I learn something, I'm just so stinking encouraged. Just encouraged to keep on keeping on and, and to avoid all of those crazy things that are out there, all those shiny things. You know, if you're a pastor, your email, email box gets filled up every day with shiny things, you know, to, to distract you and all those, those vain things, right? Those profane babblings about doing all kinds of things that are, well, this is the new thing. This is the most successful thing. This is the way you ought to go. You ought to try this new method or, or use these words now. Uh, it's just encouraging me to come back together and be reminded that, and keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, let's, let's make the gospel uh, the priority. So we've been committed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Uh, what an awesome thing. And then we've been, com- we've, we've been entrusted. We're, we're stewards of the gifts of God. And we won't take time there. Uh, to, they're listed, I think, in your notes. Uh, we won't take time to go through this. It's not a study on spiritual gifts. Uh, but uh, it is a, a great study. Uh, and, and maybe... Maybe at some point we, we, we do that. We, we do that certainly in, in whatever you call it, Discipleship 2 or MTT or uh, another level above personal discipleship. Uh, there's a, a study there, I think, on spiritual gifts. Uh, but you'll you see some listed there. There's, you know, I, don't, I don't know that we can be definitive. The Bible isn't, there isn't one place where all the gifts are listed. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4 that we've seen time and time again. There's... A multitude of gifts, but the, but the things that are very clear is that some of those gifts are no longer active. And so if you looked at the list there, there's some revealing gifts so that God used before we had a completed Bible, there were revealing gifts. And so God spoke through men, uh, and, and he's revealing his truth through men. And, and because he's revealing his truth through men, people are standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. Well, then there had to be some confirming gifts. Is that really God saying that? Is that just you saying that? Uh, and so, but when the, the Bible was complete, all of those things went away. They were no longer needed. Uh, and, and in the second half, so all those gifts in the first sections up there, the revealing gifts and the confirming gifts, well, those are not in your price range. You can't afford those gifts, all right? Uh, the gifts that are in your price range are in the bottom half of the sheet, uh, and that's speaking gifts and serving gifts, and those are listed there. Uh, in fact, Peter, when he, when he talks about it, he says, every man, and I love how that that every time God talks about spiritual gifts, he always uses that absolute term. Everyone. Nobody gets left off God's gift list. Isn't that awesome? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit of God lives within you, you have a supernatural enablement given to you by God. And it's the manifestation of the Spirit of God. I know we're Baptists, but we ought to just believe the Bible, uh, not what the Baptists say. How about that? Uh, right? I'm, I'm, I'm proud of our heritage, uh, I, I'm grateful for our heritage, uh, but, but the Bible is the authority. And, and the Bible teaches that God gives gifts, and he gives them to every man, uh, hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. 
uh, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Uh, so we're stewards of that. We're stewards of these gifts. We're stewards of this manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so if you're going to speak, we're going to speak the oracles of God. We're going to speak God's word. Uh, we've heard that repeated time and time again. We don't need to hear our opinions, right? It doesn't matter what I think. Uh, we don't need philosophy and, and, and pop culture and, uh, you know, psychology and all those things we need the word of god so we speak the the oracles of god uh and if any man minister let him do it as uh, of the ability which god giveth uh, that god in all things may be glorified through jesus christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever amen so we we've been made stewards of the gifts of god every believer that's not just the pastors in the room or the missionaries in the room. Uh, that's every born-again believer. You have the Spirit of God living within you and a supernatural enablement. Just take a minute and think about that. You ever, we're in October. Anybody still got a Christmas gift left over that you received last Christmas? I mean, still wrapped up in everything. Maybe your spouse gave you a gift and you still have it. You left it on the counter. You just hadn't got around to opening it yet. Anybody like that? I, I asked that question one time at, in church and somebody raised their hand. I was like, I, I won't tell you what I said because it was offensive. I have that gift. None of us have that, right? I mean, can you imagine... If your spouse gave you a gift at Christmas, December the 25th, and here it is, October, whatever it is, the 9th, 8th, 9th, and it's still sitting on the counter unwrapped, well, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't your spouse feel like you just so appreciated them? You were so grateful for that gift that they had given to you that's still sitting on the counter unwrapped? They wouldn't, they wouldn't feel very like you appreciated that very much, would they? Well, how are we going to feel when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ? And God has gifted us, and we didn't take time to unwrap it. We don't even know what it is. That, that, that's going to be a bad day. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, that's going to be a bad day. We, we need to know, and, 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 you know, and there's all kinds of wonderful things, I guess, tools and discoveries and all these things that you can do to figure out what your spiritual gift is. I had someone, uh, this is streaming, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. Uh, someone called the office not long ago and asked, you know, hey, uh, could you look in the computer system and tell me what my spiritual gifts are? No! <laughs> no, I cannot! <laughs> this is not the way to discover your spiritual gifts. <laughs> there may be a list in the system, but I'm not doing that for you. Just go do something. Just get involved. If you look at that list, we're responsible for all of them. And knowing your gift is not an excuse not to do any one of them. We're responsible for all of them. Your gift may be, may be teaching, but that doesn't exclude you from being responsible for evangelizing. Right? So just start serving God. And as you serve God, guess what? You'll figure out what your gifts are. It'll become very evident what your gifts are. And what your gifts aren't, but again, it doesn't exclude you. So we, we all have been given gifts, and, and every one of us, and, and again, if you go and read, and I would encourage you maybe to do that, go look at all of these texts that are list here, listed here, and, and what you'll find is, over and over again, God says, 
every one of you. Every one of you. Every one of you. Everybody has a gift. Everyone has a supernatural enablement of the Spirit of God. And again, as we've already been taught in this conference, those gifts are to be used within the context of the body of Christ. Right? So James pointed it out the other day. It's to profit with all. Right? The manifestation of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The manifestation of the, the Spirit in so these gifts are the manifestation of the spirit that lives within me. And, and they're given to how many? Every man. That's what he says. And it's not uh, gender, gender neutral. That's <laughs> right? all of us. It's not just men. Every believer to profit with all. It's to profit with all. It's, it's not for my benefit. We, we saw a moment ago that they're, they're manifold. They're multifaceted. There's many of them, and they're, they're gifts of grace. We don't deserve them. God didn't give me the gift he gave me because I deserved it. He gave it to me by his grace, and it was given to me to be used within the context of a local church. So to, to minister within the church... Absolutely, we're to minister to one another. We saw yesterday all those one another's. God gifts us to do that. I, I think, and I, I believe according to the scriptures, uh, and we saw that again, we've seen it already this week, that God puts us within the body of Christ for a specific reason. And, and so, First Baptist Church, New Philadelphia, is a, a larger church, and uh, you might look around that room and say, man, man, this church doesn't need me. Uh, I'm not important. Uh, somebody else can do uh, all the things that need to be done, well, you've just believed the lie of the devil. You've bought into a lie of Satan uh, because you are unique, and, and no one can serve in this body like you can serve in this body in the specific role that God has called you to serve in this body. And, and he looked at this body, and he looked at you, and he put you in this body for the purpose of serving this body and meeting a need in this body. Uh, and, and, and it's not, that, that's why consumerism doesn't work. You can't choose churches like that. You ought to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God puts you in the church that you're in. And, and you know what? When you know God puts you in that, the church that you're in, then it's a lot harder to not be faithful, to not give and serve, and it's a lot harder to leave. You shouldn't be leaving unless God told you to, and I'm sure the the... the, the the two years that, that most members hang around in churches, God's not that confused about where he wants people. He's just not that confused. And I know that we pastors set that example, and that's a terrible example. It shouldn't be that way. But God puts us in the body, and he puts us in the body to, to have a ministry in the body and a mission to the world. Uh, that's, that's what it's all about. And so uh, we're, we're, that, that's the reason we have spiritual gifts. It, just, you know... To repeat it again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. Paul has, has laid out the gifts. He's laid out to them the importance of charity. And then he says, you know, you're, for as much as you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Uh, again, that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's about edifying and building the church, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and discipling them. The, the third thing, and, and, and this is a change because from last, last you know, I, I told you I learn every time I come to one of these things. I, I said we're stewards of the mission of God, uh, but I, I, I understand more clearly listening to Pastor Mark last night. Really, what we're the stewards of is the power of God. It's the power of God. Uh, we have the mission, but the stewardship is the power, right? 
Uh, I like that better. So you can just cross out uh, mission. You can put in power. Put Pastor Mark's name beside it. I'll be okay with that. Uh, and, but but we've, we've been through that several times. Matthew chapter 28, when we look at the Great Commission, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And, and because of that, because of that power that we have, then we're to go. We've been made stewards of the power of God. Acts 1-8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We looked in Ephesians chapter 3 the other day, and Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus, and, and his prayer is that they would, they would, man, they could comprehend the power that we have within us. The same power that resurrected Christ from the grave is within us. Uh, we've been made stewards of that. And, and what it means is, is that we're going to give an account. Uh, just like that parable that we read a moment ago, uh, the, the, the owner of the vineyard is going to want to know one day, what did you do with what I gave you? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Right? Uh, that's going to be the question. We're, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ one day, and we're going to give an account. Man, hey, Joe, uh, I entrusted to you the, the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection. I, I entrusted to you that the, the power of, of God. I, I entrusted to you the spiritual gift that I gave you, this supernatural enablement. Uh, what'd you do with that? Heaven and hell won't weigh in the balance. We, we're redeemed by Jesus Christ. Wasn't that song last night awesome, Sean? That was awesome. I'm redeemed, but I'm going to give an account as a steward. And, and, and some people are going to receive a reward, and some are going to suffer loss. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that some are going to receive a reward, and some are going to suffer loss. But we, we, I think we understand that, right? It, it won't be like today, you know, where there's a participation trophy. Right? That, that's not going to work like that. But, but what have we done with what he gave us? We're going to give an account for that. And uh, I think that that ought to sober us. Uh, we ought to be sober. Uh, because we, he, and, and here's the point I want to get, and we're going to cross over into what do we do. God has given to us all of the resources that we need to do what he's called us to do. <laughs> the resources have been entrusted to us, and they've been entrusted to us as the church. You see, that's the reason it's important that the church do this, because it's the church that has been entrusted these resources. The parachurch organizations weren't given the resources to do these things. It's the church of Jesus Christ that was given the resources to do these things. Uh, and so we've we got to be about that business. So what are, we, what are we called to be? We're called to be stewards, and what are we called to do? And, and simply, and, and again, using my five E's, uh, the way it plays out in my mind is we're, we're called to evangelize. And, and that's more than just speaking the gospel. Uh, we'll, we'll see that it's, it's much broader than just speaking the gospel, but to, to really evangelize uh, is, is more than that. And uh, We're going to look at a couple things uh, really quickly, and uh, hopefully we'll get you out of here a little early today. Uh, but so in being called to evangelize, I want to take a minute and look at an Old Testament picture. We, we said on Monday that we're the bride of Christ, and what a privileged position that is to, to be his bride. Uh, and, and, and as the bride of Christ, obviously, we're, we're to be a virtuous woman. Uh, when James shared a moment ago when he talked about uh, Peter's process of spiritual development, 
add to your faith, the first thing you add to your faith is virtue. Uh, we're to be virtuous, uh, right? We're to be people who live under the authority of the Word of God. Uh, we're to people who be people who voluntarily obey the truth of the Word of God. Uh, we're to live that out. Uh, it's, it's to be a, a life that's lived, not just a life that is learned, right? It's not just our knowledge-based discipleship. That's not what we want to be doing. We want to be doing obedience-based discipleship. So we live these truths, and, and so we're to be this virtuous woman. And so Proverbs 31 obviously uh, becomes much broader in, in that understanding, and we're going to look at a specific passage there in just a moment, but uh, I think this is not news to any of us. There's only one woman who's called virtuous in the Bible. I'm sure there are other virtuous women, but only one who's called virtuous, right? And that's Ruth. And uh, the, just an incredible picture there. She's part of a cursed race, right? And she's uh, living in a time of famine, and she hears there's bread in Bethlehem, and so she leaves her, her family, and she leaves her gods, and she leaves her life, and she goes down to partake of that bread. Uh, and, and that's Ruth's story. And, uh, well, and, and she gets there, and she partakes of that bread, and she begins to work in a field, the field of her Jewish kinsman redeemer. And, and then one day he comes, and he takes her out of that field and, and marries her. Great story, right? Uh, but not just Ruth's story, it's our story, uh, right? We're part of a cursed race as human beings. The, cursed ra the, the human race is cursed, and, and there is a famine of the words of God. And, and we hear there's bread that was born in Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go and leave our lives, and we leave our, the gods of this world, the small Gs, and we go and, and partake of that bread. And, and his intent is to, to put us to work in his field, and then one day, he's going to come and take us out of that field, and he's going to make us his bride. Uh, and so we're, we're to be that virtuous woman. And, and if we were to study Proverbs 31, there'd be just incredible truths that we could learn there about who we're to be as the bride of Christ. It's not just a way to make the ladies in our church feel guilty on Mother's Day, uh, contrary to popular belief. Uh, it's a way for us to understand how we ought to live as the church. And one of the things that, that he says, and again, there's many, but in verse 16 of Proverbs 31, uh, I, I love this. He says, she considereth a field and buyeth it, and with the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. And when you think about that in the, the context of, of us, and, and, and we're, we're God's husbandry, we're, we're the bride of Christ, what are we to be doing? Uh, I think that's a very uh, succinct description of what the church ought to be doing. We ought to consider the field. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 13, uh, in the parable of the, the wheat and the tares, says what? The field is the, it's the field's the world. Uh, we ought to consider that. We ought to take time, consider, I, I wrote the definition down, to fix the mind on with view to careful examination, to think on with care, to ponder, to study, to meditate on. We ought to take time to stop and realize that there is a world that needs to be reached with the gospel. There's a huge field out there, and, and over half of it has never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. Physical births outpace spiritual births by 23,600 people per day. We're not getting it done. We need to stop and consider that. Amen? We ought to take time to think about that. We ought to take time to ponder that, to study that, to meditate on that. Uh, we're the bride of Christ, and we ought to consider the world. Uh, I love the story that uh, we saw the other night in John 4, where Jesus was the, is with a Samaritan woman. And uh, 
the disciples have gone into the city of Sychar, and they've gone to get some food, and, and, and Jesus encounters her, and they have a conversation. He reveals to her uh, who he is and to her who she is, and, and she recognizes and realizes that, man, this is the Messiah. <laughs> this is God uh, that's here. And, 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 and as she's leaving, the disciples are coming back, and, and, and he, he has that dialogue with them about the importance of uh, why he's here, my, my meat is to, to do the will of the Father and to finish the work, right? That's, that's what's important to me. It's not about the food that you've brought to me. It's not about my physical substance. I, I want to be about my Father's business. And then he says, ask that question. Don't you guys say that it's four months and then comes the harvest? Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. And historians tell us that the, the, the people there, the, the people of the city of Sychar wore white. Now we know from the, the scriptural account that this woman goes back into the city and, and she brings the whole city out to meet Jesus. And did you ever think about who was just in the city? Who was just in that same city? All the disciples were in that same city. And what did they bring back? Uh, you know, a happy meal. You know? <laughs> they went through the, dr- the drive through at McDonald's, probably wasn't even nice to the lady in the, in the window. And they bring back some food, and they leave all the lost people there. They, did, they didn't consider the field, right? And, and, and so often, the people, the people that we would think most logically would be the greatest witnesses, the disciples of Jesus Christ, had lost the wonder of that, right? They, they didn't consider the field. They didn't think about it. They, maybe they did. Maybe they thought, you know, in four months we'll get around to that. But this lady who just came to Christ, she, she brought the whole city out. Not only to consider it, but to buy it. Again, a definition. To acquire property, right, or title to anything by paying a consideration or equivalent in money. We need to buy in somewhere. Consider the field. Take a look at it. Look around and figure out, man, what, where are the needs? And God, where do you want me? And then buy it. Quit playing around. Go purchase a piece of ground and say, I'm, I'm going to buy this spot. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get committed to it. Amen? And, and that might be right here. That might be right here in New Philadelphia, Ohio, or, or wherever you're watching, in Decatur, Alabama, or Cartersville, Georgia, or, or Kansas City, Missouri, wherever it might be. But, but by in, it might be in Hungary. That, that you go and consider the field. You look at the world and go, man, I'm going to buy a piece of that ground. I'm going to get committed to it. I'm going to give my all to it. I'm going to sell out. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to quit toying around with this thing. That's what the bride does. That's what a virtuous woman does. And, and then notice, she plants a vineyard. Not a school or an orphanage or a feeding center, but a vineyard. Churches plant churches. I, I'm not against feeding centers and orphanages and schools. Wonderful thing. Churches plant churches. Not, not form Bible studies, and I'm not against Bible studies, but...